Hey everyone, welcome to Trends and Tings, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing. On this week's show, we're doing things a little differently by diving into three of the biggest stories going on right now. First up, it's the newly owned Elon Musk Twitter, $8 verifications and all the fallout. After that, we're going to be chatting about how big brand owner Unilever is bringing their four-day working week to Australia. And finally, the Melbourne Cup, boy, it hits differently, doesn't it, these days? So is it a sign that racing will soon be a thing of the past? As always, a big welcome to the show. My name is Gordon. Hello, Scott. How are you, my man? We are doing things, uh, bringing back three topics because it's been a bit of a wild week. There's a lot going on and we thought we'd catch up on all of it. Yeah, look, it's been pretty manic and uh, I've also just come back from a wedding. So <laughs> like we're talking about this throughout the week. It's like, let's, let's try something different. I'm like, cool, Monday, that sounds super epic. And then come Saturday, I'm like, oh man, I've got to drive back for this you know, after this wedding, make it back in time <laughs> to record the app. Uh, I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit, but I've, I'm kind of feeling renewed about let's try something different with the um, potty. So let's, let's jump into it. Let's see how we go. Yeah, look, it's a it's probably a good week to be at at the wedding, at doing some wild mm. stuff on the weekend, right? Because uh, I guess whether whether or not it's noticeable that more stuff is happening, I think you know you get to end of the year Christmas stuff pops up, um, you know, mm. and this week in particular, or, or the or the last few days in particular, have been really interesting from a news point of view. And and is there really anywhere else, Scotty, to start <laughs> than by on uh, you know the Elon Musk and and Twitter gate that's going on at the moment? If you haven't seen it, of course. Elon Musk, a big entrepreneur, SpaceX owner, Tesla owner, has uh, completed his uh, Twitter takeover, Scotty, mm. um, which is, it's been very interesting viewing in the last few days. We sort of mentioned it on last week's episode. Of course, you might have seen there's been, been a bit of a firing spree, a lot of yes. you know, controversial stuff about employees being let go and how they've been let go. Um Elon Musk claimed the business was losing like millions of dollars per day, mm. uh, which is another huge claim he's being very as you can imagine open up front very uh <laughs> apparently honest about things and of course mm. you know there's the there's the chat about the eight dollar verification for the for the blue tick um that he's going to be charging a monthly fee so look a lot to a lot to quickly unpack but what are your initial thoughts how do you read into our friend uh friend of the show elon musk um taking over twitter what i imagine happened after he bought uh, Twitter was he stormed the boardroom, kicked down the door, <laughs> flipped the table and said, all right, look, things are going to change. I'm going to start by firing everyone of you. <laughs> I, I, just out of here. Um, he's coming really strong, right? Because yes. it's like, yeah, a lot of people were fired. They got locked out of their devices. They couldn't access anything um, from there. There's – and is it $8? Because I, I, like one article I read was potentially it was like $20 for this verification oh thing. It, maybe you know, maybe it like AUD. Numbers. Maybe it's like eight USD, uh, which which probably sounds about right, like Jesus. double the price yeah. for Aussies. It, it's manic and I'm kind of here for it because <laughs> I don't know about you, like I enjoy Twitter, but sometimes I find it a little stale. So I kind of want to mm-hmm. see what energy Elon brings to this. But obviously a bit of red flags because Elon doesn't have the kind of cleanest slate when it comes to – uh, how he can conduct business. So it's like a wait and see. I'm thinking like it's too early to make a call whether is this a gar- like a dumpster fire or is mm. this another stroke of genius coming from Elon? I totally agree. I think it's a, it's chaos personified at the moment <laughs> on Twitter. It's sort of like, you know, I remember, do you remember when the Dark Knight, when the Joker is just 
Elon is uh, the Joker of of Twitter. He's just like throw, make causing shit, uh, putting shit on fire, like on the streets, just firing guns. Like, like he's just um, going out of control, and it's quite mm. interesting from the stands because, like you mentioned, like I like Twitter, like I, I check it out every yes. now and then, and I think it's actually probably the greatest social media source for like really truly breaking news like mm. you know having worked in the publishing and content industry the the beautiful thing about twitter in the past for a lot of publishers and journalists and and sort of first person content creation is like if you're writing a story about say something that's happened politically you need to find a image you need to mm. do the research you need to you know tag it up for seo like there's so many different factors it's very hard to pump out an article in in say half an hour but of course with a tweet you you've you've got 100 and whatever 50 characters and you can just publish it instantly so yeah i actually still quite like it for that sort of in the moment live reaction mm. uh to things um so i think it has a lot of value but what's what's interesting for me is like how elon's going to change or, or what's going to be changed mm. from a there's, there's been a lot of talk about moderation, content moderation. Will people, uh, you know, have the right to say whatever they want without any real repercussion? Because, mm. you know, in the past, fake news, all this stuff has been very heavily mod- uh, moderated by Twitter. Um, so I, I'm interested about that. I know about you, but I'm interested to see, I'm sort of sitting in the back row with the popcorn, you know, sort of watching <laughs> it unfold and sort of going, ooh, there's been some stuff on both sides. Like there's been some stuff where I'm like, that's actually quite interesting. I think El- that Elon Musk could potentially improve an area of Twitter, like editing tweets or, mm. um, you know, all the, like he was talking about the search bar and having easier ability to search for things on Twitter. But then I'm also like, I've seen Kanye already coming on and doing some weird <laughs> shit again. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about it. So who knows what awaits us in the next few few weeks? Yeah, look, I mean, you've got to hand it to Elon. Look at Tesla, right? It's all about user interface and usability. So I'm kind of here for that kind of thinking uh, when it comes to Twitter. I think there's probably tons of ways you can improve it for the users that you, you kind of want to stay on the platform. Because sometimes for me, you know, I'll, I'll jump on, read a few tweets, maybe reply mm. to one or two, and then I'm off. You know, I'm, I'm there for a couple of minutes and then I'm off. There's nothing that really captures me. Like your, you know, your, your Instagram uh, Instagram or, or any other platform, you can kind of get sunk, uh, sunk into it. Mm. But here, I don't really think that that's a part of Twitter just yet. Other side though is the man loves free speech, and that <laughs> can sometimes be a bit dangerous, especially with Kanye already. <laughs> I saw I saw him today have a beef with Shaq about some business advice. Oh my god! And then Shaq's like on Twitter to quote on Twitter on Twitter. There is currently some beef between Shaq and Kanye, and Shaq's like to uh, quote the once great Kanye. I've got more money than you. I don't need to listen to you and just shut them down completely. So that's what I kind of want. That's the entertainment I want. Hopefully Elon can kind of capitalize a little bit. Um, Cause that's what I think Twitter misses sometimes. It's just those Twitter feeds where people just like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, throw a shot at you and then get one back. So, well, to, you know, what's hopefully really that stays. What's really interesting. And that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm once we finish, I'm literally going to be logging <laughs> onto Twitter just to go and look at that. But that's the interesting part, right? $8 verification mm. potentially like that's, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's an interesting one because anyone can sort of now possibly buy verification. I'm not sure mm. if it's like a you need to prove you have like a an influential following and then you pay for the verification on top of that. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting one, right? Because I think back to 
um, you know, the days of the Google. Remember we had that Google challenge with publishers and publishers wanted to get money off of Google oh, for listening to their content. And I'm like, yes. cool, like journalists and, and personalities post their stuff on Twitter, but Twitter gives them the platform to do that. Mm. So is it is it worth, is the $8 verification thing fair? Like I think the initial reaction is to be like, no, that's, come on, Elon, that's terrible. Like it's been free <laughs> for so long. But yeah, the interesting yeah. thing for me is is – on the back of this, right, like brands have come out saying we're, we, we're not spending on Twitter as an advertiser because it's so chaotic right now, it, shit's hitting mm. the fan. And I wonder if that's maybe an, an Elon strategy. Is he trying to make it, you know, with $8, you know, or $20, you know, subscription models? Is he potentially making it like a pay-to-play platform that, mm. you know, or changing the way the business is sort of makes money? Potentially, because it's it's interesting if you if you consider all the different angles that are going on at the moment, it, it sounds like it's maybe moving less, like a little bit away from advertising model and more to like people paying for it for the service or for the product. Yeah, look, I know Elon's been saying that. I think the latest figure he says like Twitter's been losing four million dollars a day. Jesus so, Christ. man, something needs to change. I'm not completely opposed to this eight dollar uh, verification model if it. Like if it's fair, you mm. know, I don't want anyone who has like one follower to now get a blue tick <laughs> and now is like a top dog on Twitter. So keen to see how it plays out and just hopefully it's a bit fair for everyone who wants to uh, stay on the platform. Definitely. Well, look, let's see what happens. Uh, Twitter is going to be certainly an, an interesting place to be over the next couple of weeks, but uh, good luck to Elon and his team. All right, Cords. Some breaking news from Unilever, mm. who I feel like probably isn't really in the news for anything these days. <laughs> um, have They've successfully done a 18th month trial of the four-day work week over NZ. And because of that success, I bring it over to Australia for an additional year. So about mm-hmm. it sounds like two and a half years are going to trial this. And then hopefully uh, with further success, we'll probably launch across the two countries. Huge. I think it's great to talk about this, right? But I know that you uh, have been doing like a nine-day working fortnight. Mm. And so you're kind of living this a little bit. And I think it would be really interesting to see how does that kind of work because I sometimes worry that, you know, it would be great to work four days a week, but will my boss expect me to still pump out five days worth of work? So I'm actually doing 10-hour days or 11-hour days. Is that kind of the life you're living or is it actually a solid commitment to that nine-hour or that nine-day working fortnight it's yeah it's an interesting one sort of i guess unlike unilever who i guess if you're not familiar with them as a brand they own and dove rexona streets benedict like ridiculous amount of countries yeah literally everything (laughs) every fmcg brand fast moving sort of consumer good brand out there um Mm. and look for us at, at my company that i'm working in and it's also interestingly enough sort of in that media space um the nine-day fortnight piece. And it's been a lot of trial and error, I will say that. Mm. Um, unlike Unilever doing the four-day work week, so it's like eight eight days in a fortnight that you're yeah. working, we sort of, our company sort of made the decision to trial uh, this nine-day piece, which is, it's sort of the in-house, it's called 10 Days in Nine. That's the name of the sort of the, the program, <laughs> if you like to call it's marketing. it. Yeah, yeah. It, it always is. It always is, isn't it? Um, and look, so to answer your question, probably it, it, it the idea is is that you have to try and get your work done in a sh- in a shorter amount of time. You do have mm. to get ten get days of work done in nine. Uh, 
So yes, mm. the concept is 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 probably a little bit more to the the former of what you were saying there. You do try to squeeze your extra work in, and and look, I guess it's it, the the company have been pretty good about it in saying sort of there's not a, um, you know, come in half an hour earlier and finish half an hour later of e- each day, and then you make up that tenth day. Mm. Um, it, it's very much a here's this your role is this. These, you know the things you have to do. Uh, if you can squeeze it out, work more efficiently. I think that's been the focus for us, like efficiency mm. in working. Because uh, I don't know if you think about your working week, Scotty. I know for me in the past, sometimes you'd, you know, you might come in, do a few emails, go grab a coffee, like have lunch, go have another break in the Arvo, maybe like do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The yeah. whole concept is like, you know, for most people, you know, if you can do the things you need to do in your role, in your job description, um, in the nine days, then, you know, the 10th day is yours to do whatever you want with it. And it's, it's been a really interesting program because, you know, that 10th day has been, um, such a nice thing to have. Like, it's not like a day I'm mm. going out and partying. Like it's a day where I'm going to the gym a bit later. I'm getting some chores done, some errands. It's like going to the fucking post office. That's never open on the weekends, <laughs> you know, on a Friday that I've got off and just getting a bit of life, life admin. I know for people, at the company who've got kids and stuff it's mm. been like a godsend for them just to have more time with them or just even pick them up when the other when their partner can't um stuff like that so i won't pretend like it's been all rosy like there have been some you know trial and error things involved like i think probably our biggest one is you know when you have sick days or annual leave days um you know the concept is you you take your day off or whatever that day off but then the idea is, is like you probably can't get all of your work done in that time so Uh, there's this thinking that you come in on your friday you would normally have off um because you just haven't had the time to literally work that amount of hours so look there's definitely still some workshopping to be done but i'm interested to hear your thoughts because this the probably the biggest piece of feedback i'd say is normally with these things you need take you need other people to be on board with it right like four Mm. day work week is like cool that's that's awesome but what what happens with when everyone else is working five day work weeks like, and there are emails that come in on Friday? What uh, happens then? Yeah, yeah. Look, and that's the thing. I feel like it's such a sort of gray area because I think I could probably get my work done in four days of the week, but I'm also reliant on you know we interact with like suppliers or donors or all these sort of other people that interact with us on a five day work week. Mm. And so say say something critical comes in on a Friday when like the whole office is off. You can't really you have that time. You're messed. Yeah, you're <laughs> messed up. So, um, you know, it kind of sounds really nice on paper to have that um, extra day off, but I would also stress out so much if something, yeah, if shit hit the fan on a Friday and you had to wait till the Monday to deal with it, or you come in and work on that day you had off, and kind of defeats the point. Yeah. Um, of you know that four day work week. However, I do sometimes wonder how productive am I in five days of the week? Cause I would probably say Friday is generous to say I'm working to the mm. best of my ability. You know, yep, you kind of yep. like, yeah, maybe scheduling a few emails, doing a you few do a part lunch with campaigns. the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, and I guess the one thing I want to ask from you still part of this experience, Unilever reported across their staff in New Zealand who have already done this for a year and a half. Um, you know, reduce stress rates, lower complaints and absentees and like across all, you know, employee like satisfaction metrics, they're doing pretty well. Is there at least, can you kind of notice like a, a vibe change or culture change in your workplace where people feel like a little bit better about working because they have that extra day 
um, a fortnight to have off. I think I think early on, especially when we were trialing it out, there was there was this sort of perspective like, wow, like what a crazy thing to have. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it definitely probably you were like, oh, do I, is this real? Like do I deserve this? Um, <laughs> and, you know, there was some intense days at the start. Like I, mm. I remember some days like I just couldn't even, I wouldn't even get up for like a lunch break or anything. I'd just smash out lunch at my desk and then carry on because I was trying to cram everything in. And I think what we've got, I guess, good at maybe still trying to work out is how do you, you um, efficiently do all the things you need to do, but mm. you know, also make sure that you're not taking the piss, right? Because we can all cruise through a Friday or, or, or whatever day in a week. Um, mm. But it's been about, you know, one thing we made a strict commitment to was like having less meetings. We found we were having a lot of meetings in, in an office that we were working in. So we wanted oh, to try and re- yeah. reduce the amount of meetings. If you're going to do a meeting, make it efficient. Maybe if you're doing a weekly whip with a team member, make it every fortnight, maybe make it half an hour instead of an hour, do it in the office instead of like going downstairs, having like a one hour breakfast and coming back. Like there's all these little bits and pieces, even something which sound sounded silly to me at the time, but it was like, you know, maybe get your coffee on the way to, to the office so you don't break oh, up your yeah. day and sort of like even though it's you know you're only going down for five minutes to get a coffee uh maybe it can disrupt your working habits and stuff so there has been an element of this where we're trying to do things more efficiently like i mentioned which has been nice and i think what's been really interesting as well is because um it's a nine day fortnight the idea behind it is that on your 10th day off Mm-hmm. you have a like a buddy or a partner so for example if i'm in marketing and i have a t- team member in marketing as well we'll always be on working on the opposite friday so we'll never both be off uh, at the same time so if, if someone comes in and needs to some marketing work done that person is there that that sort of partner is there to take that call or fry that email response back so there's always someone there to pick things up which has been i think really important in the grand scheme of the trial and i think probably the other thing is that when you um when you get to that stage where you're like all right cool like how do i um make sure i've earned that 10th day um mm knowing that someone's there to even if you're just firing a few quick emails on the Friday that you're off and then the rest of the day you've got to yourself is nice. You don't have to, you know, be worried that, oh, I'm going to have to jump on and do this contract or, you know, fire this important email back to, <laughs> to someone. So, look, man, yeah. a lot of trial and error, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes because Unilever is a huge company. They've got a lot of data to look back. They have a lot of employees as well. They can try mm. all this properly. We're a small business, 20 people where I'm at, 20-ish. So there's a little bit more room room to, I think, probably see how these guys go because four-day work week, if it's for everyone, there's no buddies, there's nothing. It's, it's you just work Monday to Thursday. That's it. So who knows what could come from it, to be honest. Scotty, Melbourne Cup again last week, uh, Tuesday, the first Tuesday in November for every year. And the big point probably to come out of it, Scotty, I'm not sure if uh, you caught much of the race or anything like that, but was that it was the lowest um, lowest crowd in 40 years yeah. that went through Flemington where they have the race and sort of the carnival, the spring carnival as they call it, um, where on the day itself about 71,000 people uh, went through the gates and over the whole sort of spring carnival it's uh, you know the data suggests that it's actually been dropping steadily for about 15 years in 2006 right in the heyday i don't know if you if you're familiar with the names like Maccabi diva and these big popular horses <laughs> um, there was about 400,000 people that went into the 
spring carnival, uh, the whole festival that is. And this year was just it was only two hundred fifty thousand, so quite a steep drop, mm. nearly fifty percent drop in numbers. Um, TV ratings also no has been, have been sort of nose diving in the past decade or so. Um, in 2013, there was 2.17 million people who watched the race on TV. And in 2022, only 1 million. So over 50% drop mm. in numbers, um, which, you know, it, I guess it doesn't come as a huge shock. Like there's things like streaming, people are at work, we're coming back from COVID. Maybe people have gone, you've had two years to watch the race with no worries. Get Let's let's get some work, work done this year. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what were your thoughts? Did you watch a race at all? Have you ever been super into it or have you cared much for this sort of, you know, big day in the calendar? I've never cared for it other than the fact that the last job I worked in, every year we would go for an office-wide lunch, mm. would watch it, um, you know, people would bet or whatever. And I just loved it because it rode off another day and I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> so that was my only attachment to race day. Um, and since being in this new workplace, they've kind of, there's just this like culture of like, no, let's say not to the cup. Let's actually right, get some right. work done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm so far attached, uh, detached from the race because I don't get my day off. <laughs> <laughs> It's Melbourne as well, right? Get a day off. Yeah, it's a big thing yes. down there. The um, I, for me, it was you know, I've, I'm the, I'm the same. I've put in a little. Mm. I was in this office sweeps. Like that's pretty much as hectic as it's mm. ever gotten. I will admit though, I have once or twice in the maybe what twelve years that I've been able to bet. Um, I've maybe reckon I reckon yeah, one to one two three times that I've put a bet on yeah. the actual Melbourne Cup. Um and. I guess talking about gambling, I think that's that's probably the thing keeping keeping the Melbourne Cup and events like it alive. Because despite those lower numbers in streams and and watches mm. and and audiences, um, gambling has actually been on the rise for quite a few years now. So, to give you some context, in 2011-2012, um, according to Racing Australia, um, the fact book that they produce, 14.8 billion. Um, was spent cool. in gambling and that has risen from 2020 11 uh 2011 2012 so a decade later basically to 29 billion in 2020 2021 um and you can only imagine you'd expect that to be hovering or, or increasing mm. for this past year we've had so it's interesting we know all the numbers are going down but people are still betting pretty big on some of these events yeah. so it's clear that the betting factor is still sort of maybe this silent sort of little, you know, it's pouring a bit of um, fuel to the fire here. It's <laughs> although, yeah, maybe horse racing, we could question if that's a mm-hmm. something people are into as much anymore. Because I think you're right. People like the day because maybe they can catch up with people, go to an event, have a team lunch, like you mentioned, which is what we did. Like at my office, we just went to a, mm. our CEO's house, actually had a barbecue, you know, just chilled out for a bit, didn't really watch any of the event. Watch the Melbourne Cup, but that was it. So, yeah. what's your what's your thoughts on gambling being the sort of the main underlier, perhaps, to this sort of wider industry? I'd be super surprised if those numbers stay consistent over the next couple of years. When everyone's facing the whole like cost of living struggle, you know, earning more money. Like, I would find it so hard if you know, in that month, I'm thinking about cool. I've got to pay my rent, got to buy my groceries, and maybe save up for a trip away and all that kind of stuff. Do I really mm. want to put down a sneaky hundred or two hundred dollars on the race? Probably not. Like I, I'd really think that I'd really hope, sorry, that people might 
reconsider gambling because you don't want to like watch out for your own back versus the the off chance. And I know people might say, oh, there's a science, you know, you got to, the pedigree <laughs> of this horse and, you know, the, the weight of the jockey and all that kind of crap uh, might make a difference. But I really would think that considering things are going to get pretty tight for a lot of people financially, the first thing to go would be gambling unless, you know, you're like a, a problem gambler. Mm. It's you know what it's actually probably something I disagree with I reckon because yeah right I, I mean having been exposed to maybe people who are into gambling and I wouldn't say have a have a problem um, but certainly I reckon you know you got twenty nine billion dollars going through gambling mm. websites I I mean look I don't know for sure but my gut feeling is that yeah sure there would be a lot of people with a legitimate gambling problem. But sure. a lot of people are just like, you know, people with a little bit of disposable income, happy to throw a bit of coin at, you know, potentially yeah. the oppor- the small chance you might win big off a bet. Um, I was reading some in, in prep for the episode, Scotty, some info on an article, I think it might have been on The Guardian, and they were talking about how these gambling websites sort of prey on sort of guys in particular in their 20s to mid 30s that sort of age range of like got a bit of disposable income not too many things to like they can pay their bills all right like you said a little a little bit of you know inflation definitely around at the moment but when you break it down to like oh yeah i'll chuck a you know a couple of ten dollar bets on on a few things over the weekend um you know you say it costs you do five of those that's 50 bucks a weekend and you know that adds up quickly it's you know you're Mm. in around the 200 to 300 dollar mark a month. Now that's a, you know, three or four grand cost a year and that's only for one person. So I think the the betting companies are getting s- smarter and, you know, oh, more, more intelligent in the way they're marketing and stuff like that. And look, it's all legal. It's all fair game, but it's definitely something which you look at and you're like, oh, okay, this is a, uh, it's an interesting space at the moment with considering how much they're making off, um, you know, mm. people who are just potentially chucking in a little bit of a, you know, oh yeah, I can afford that. I'll chuck 50 on there, like you said. So I wonder if that's, um, I wonder if it's, if that's something we've got to consider more of in, you know, the next few years as, as this becomes more prominent. Yeah. I wonder then at least with the lower turnout for race day, if people aren't as keen on the whole, like the spring carnival or like their race day formalities. Cause mm. uh, I don't know about you, but like I did a lot of soul searching during COVID and oh, yeah. felt like, you know, those, those big nights or big days out where just I'm day drinking, making a mess of myself. I've seen some loose photos <laughs> from past Melbourne Cups mm-hmm. that I wonder if maybe some of those people are like, that's not for me anymore. I'm, I'm going to move on. So maybe to at least a degree that people aren't turning up on race day itself is because maybe they just, they just want to have a clean one. You know, they just want to... Oh. <laughs> not hit back and uh, make a mess of themselves. I've, I, on, you know what? It's a very valid point. I think the yeah. uh, the the drinking sort of side of things, and you know what? Having even just viewed a few nights out and things since COVID, sort of like I guess lockdown sort of finished. Yeah, I feel like you know. And again, this is only I'm only looking at my initial mates here, but. <laughs> people, it feels like people are, are, are genuinely drinking less. Like people yeah. are happy to have a couple of drinks, not have like a night where you get absolutely messed up. And look, that might just be the byproduct of us turning thirty, of course. But um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've gone out with younger mates as well, and they're like, "Cool, I'll have a few drinks, but I won't get absolutely blind." I, like doing a moment if you're at a festival or something like that, different. But just on a night out here and there, so you know, I think you're right. Maybe it is also a bit of a oh, I'd rather have a nice chill day maybe have a couple of drinks and then yeah. i'm good to work on the wednesday um 
I remember the certain, <laughs> certainly the days when it was like Melbourne Cup was like you were plastered on the Tuesday night and getting home you were like how the heck am I going to work on like three hours sleep like or, or something like that on a, <laughs> on a school night. So yeah, look, may, maybe a bit of truth to that potentially. Well, look, I think it's um, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of factors at play. It's um, fascinating to think that the cup is still relevant. Maybe it's a generation thing as well. Um, I think it might just come to a point where those organizing the cup might want to spice up a bit differently. Why don't you have some of the biggest Aussie artists playing? You know, if this, I, I was talking to a few mates the other day. I was like, we don't have a Super Bowl, you know, where there's a halftime show, mm. there's some really good artists playing. Could that be the Melbourne Cup? It's not. It's not really our AFL Grand Final. Maybe the Cup just needs to. It needs to like a rebranding. Maybe mm. that's what it needs to keep up with um, the changing like the changing demographics. You know. Get, you know. Get, yeah. You know what? The I went to the races for the first time ever. Funnily enough, about a month or two ago with with work oh, people, right. and it was at Randwick in Sydney. And the although it, it was raining all day, of course it was. Um, so the races, it wasn't exactly what you would expect. There was, yeah. um, by all accounts, from what I've heard from people who are into the racing stuff, they're like, you know, there's DJs and stuff after live bands, exactly the stuff you're talking about. Uh, so I feel like the, uh, the racing people are onto it a little bit. They're like, we know people will potentially be into that type of stuff. Um, so I don't want to be surprised if you see more of it, like a bit more effort going into entertainment mm. and the marketing side of it. Um, but who knows? Maybe it's like, it, you don't have to if people are betting and gambling and punting from home or from the apps or something maybe right. you just you let the horses run and <laughs> we'll just you know sports bet and tab and bet 365 you do guys do your thing um i i, I honestly if they want to bring the young people back i would say mm. put park the horses in their stables go let them run in some open paddock Get get some politicians doing a few four hundred oh. meter laps around Flemington, uh, you know, at one of those little course horse and carriage things. Getting the uh, average punter just whipping them on the uh, on the on the on the legs there, and just going, "Go on, mate, come on, uh, come on, Dom, get a, get your run on, son." Um, I, I feel like that's there's more of a market, there's more of a market for that than anything else. I would be, yeah, one hundred percent. I would be the front row for that because that. That's good entertainment. I'd, I'd pay for that. Look, let's see what will happen. God knows that you know that it's definitely on the decline. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years for the Melbourne Cup. But Scotty, it's been a, a short and sharp and quick ep for this week. It's look, we hope you've enjoyed sort of a little bit of coverage across three pretty big stories or big things that have been happening around the world or around Australia this past few days and weeks. So thank you for joining us as always at Trends and Tings is where you can find us on Instagram to keep in touch and stay followed, following in terms of what we're doing. And of course, patreon.com forward slash Trends and Tings if you want to join the club there. It's just a five or a month to support the show. But thank you always for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. See you, everyone.